I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is Your Mental Breakdown. The podcast. By us. Here, not for your viewing pleasure, because I'm not wearing my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what's going on with you. I'm going to tell you what's going on with me. Okay. You ready? Yeah, go. Glasses. I'm, I'm all about glasses right now, in part because you'll hear Sarah's going to be talking about something with her eyes, but I am in very big denial that I can't see anymore. <laughs> Please <laughs> don't be in denial about that. makes fun of me. I have, I have glasses in like every room of the house, on my nightstand, in the bathroom, like they're everywhere. So I'm constantly grabbing glasses to put them on to read something, but I don't like glasses on me and I can't imagine wearing them full time. Wait, only for up close, for reading stuff, right? Not for driving or anything? I don't know. What do you... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just for... Okay. <laughs> I just kind of know there's other cars out there and they, they get out of my way pretty good. Yeah, you know where no, you're yeah, going. Yeah, just for reading stuff. I mean, I could make the font on my computer like 18 point and then I can read it or I can put on a pair of glasses. Could you read this without glasses? Oh, without glasses? Yeah. Let's see. Nope, not at all. By the way, I, sh I showed him some writing. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guys read it? No, you can't either. Maybe you all need glasses. Maybe everybody needs glasses. You know what bothers me is I've been in denial and resistance in whatever stages of change I want to <laughs> mm -hmm. buck up against for many years. And I, the first stage for me was something I couldn't read. And I just kind of went, no, no, I just need more light. I just need to see mm, it better, more right. light. Yeah, yeah, I hear people say that. And then, you know, I, I get a pair of readers. I'm like, wow, oh my God, everything's so much clearer. It's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, same thing. Right? Yeah, same thing. But I went to the eye doctor because yeah. I was like, this is insane. I'm literally going blind. You know, I'm one of those people. If you, oh, here, look at this. Someone <laughs> holds their phone in front of me and I'm like, push it back five feet. I'm like, I can't see it. Oh, man. But I went to the yeah. eye doctor and he was like, yeah, you have 20-20 vision. God. And I was like. I know I can see far away. I don't care. I know that. But can you fix this? And he was like, yeah, just get readers. I was like, Are you, okay. And all of you out there either feel our pain and understand it, or in another 10 years, you will. Yeah. And everyone told me when you go to law school, you're not going to be able to see anymore. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. My 30s, finally, like mid 40s. A buddy of mine said, you know, we weren't built to last past like 35 years old. Like if you think about human history. Yeah. Marriage was a construct that was created when people only lived to like 30. That's why when people are like together forever, I'm like, good luck. Not not if you get married oh, at together 20. Together for your 20s, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You get married at 20 and you last 15 years, you've done it. You're done. That's 100%. it. hundred percent. You should get a trophy and move on. Yes, exactly. Yeah. A trophy. <laughs> a trophy wife. Oh, hey. Hey, JK. A trophy husband. There you go. Now you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be a trophy husband when I grow up. Me too. So speaking of all this, getting older, getting our eyes straightened out, you guys will hear, <laughs> I would say graphic content, but there's not. It's not graphic content. No. It is Sarah talking about her eye surgery and it freaks me out. Yeah. And you guys will hear it right off the bat. Oof. Well, you know what I have to say about all that? Something corny. But- I, <laughs> Bye. But I, you will be back in a little bit. And so will I. Oh my God. 
Oh, that was bad. Oh my gosh, you're gonna go make me sit in the cornea, aren't you? Oh my God, <laughs> Doug, how do you fucking do it? It's insane. These are just things that I think about when I'm driving around in my cataract. Oh. Get it, cataract. And we do, yeah. but are uh -huh. these are these one. just on the fly? No, not quite on the fly, but I don't know. But still, they're on the fly. I. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. We'll be back in a little bit. I don't know if you've noticed, but I have a kind of nervous disposition. <laughs> so I'm, you know, a little bit high strung, a little bit worried about things that are I am not controlling. So to be in a state where I am completely at the mercy of somebody cutting my eye open with a knife is so terrifying to me that I am trying to let all all the work stuff go away and just sort of be in the moment handle this as best i can you know what's even worse boyfriend can't even be there with me he can only drop me off and then pick me up he can't be in the waiting room with me so that kind of sucks <laughs> he's your comfort he's he's what helps you be grounded and feel grounded right? We've talked a lot about control, right? And being able to give up control, not not having control, that's different, but giving it up, like letting someone else take the wheel. You've been on your fair share of planes. How were you? I have. How were you flying? Not, not good for, for actually a majority of my life. When it take us, takes off and lands, I'm like red alert. I'm just freaking out. Like I'm gripping my chair like so hard that my knuckles are white. And I'm like, <sighs> you know, super deep breaths, like totally freaking out. It's so funny that you made that connection. I don't know that everybody experiences that kind of anxiety. I don't want to surrender. I don't want to relinquish. But it's giving up something so you're more free. You know, and in a sense, I mean, not that you could, but would you want to watch your own eye surgery? Probably. <laughs> if that was a, if that was a possibility. I even watched a YouTube video with the exact surgery, like not a cartoon, not like pictures. This was an actual surgery just so I can see exactly what's going to happen. Why do you, why do you think, why do you think, let me rephrase. Why do you think I would think you did that? Why do I think you would think I did that? Uh -huh. Cause I have issues. <laughs> no, that's what you would say. <laughs> to give myself a certain element of control in the sense that I understand in my data mind or my analytical mind, okay, this is the process. This is what's going to happen. This is this is what I'm going to feel to as much as I can convince myself of that. That is actually, you're not wrong, Doug, <laughs> about that. Pretty much exactly why I did it. It's the unknown that freaks me out. And it, especially the unknown that I have no control over just like an airplane even if i wanted to be in control 
I couldn't. I don't know how to fly a plane. I also don't know how to cut open my eye and take stuff out and put stuff in. Like, it's not a thing I could ever even do. And as much as I say I have issues, I'm not total cuckoo. So I understand. But watching it and having that much information, it gave me enough information that I felt like, okay, I understand what's going to happen. And in a sense, made me feel like as much as I can be, I'm in control because I know what's going on. That does make perfect sense. You watching that video to get that information. Okay. Trick question here. Was that a good thing or a bad thing? For me? Uh-huh. Or as a human? Both. You are a human. To me, it was a good thing. It made me less anxious. How would I answer that question? Is it a good thing or a bad thing for you? Honestly, I don't know. And I'll, I'll, I'll peel the curtain back a little bit. Just say, it's neither good nor bad. That implies a right and a wrong. It's not about that. There's no judgment in this. You said it. It was helpful to you. It helped you get more information so it was more known. One of the things we've talked about, man's greatest fear, the fear of the unknown, you know, not knowing things and you wanting data and wanting to understand and wanting to know more. Okay. So I didn't know about this thing. Now I know about it. Okay. That was effective. It's not good or bad. It was just something that helped you have some sense of control because it was less unknown. You fear driving in a car? I did prior to becoming a driver. I never drove in Europe. So oh, wow. I didn't get a license until I was in my mid-20s. And I was terrified. As soon as I understood how to drive a car, being the person I am, obviously, I was very letter of the, of the law. What we're talking about is when I don't know, when I don't have the data points, when I don't understand how something's done, I, I, I'm anxious. I don't like it. And for you, I think twofold. Firstfold being anything can happen if it's not known. And it could be a lot of bad things. And the other fold, though, is things had been very regimented for you know a lot of your life in the early life, right? And knowing the rules was really important for you because the consequences were so severe. Yet then you hit a point, you know, at some point, I think it was shortly before you left, where you were getting beaten even when you weren't the one doing something wrong, right? Yeah. So it, it's, yeah. we've got this history and, and these pathways in your brain connected where when I don't know how to do something, when the rules aren't set, when I don't know, it's, there's too much chaos, it's not okay. You know, that's partly the, the order and what you call the OCD, I, I need things to be just so, right? Absolutely. What you said about the getting punished, getting punished even if it wasn't me that screwed up, I was thinking about that randomly the other day after we talked about something. I, I have a hard time turning things over to people because I know they're going to do it wrong and I'm just going to have to redo it anyway. So I might as well just 
do it myself. Right. There was a lot of that during that time in the cults where it was like, who did this? No one would say anything. Everybody line up. And then we just all get beat. So a few times of that. And I was like, no, no, no. this is not like, this is not going to happen. So I started doing everything. We had to clean something. I cleaned it. We had to purge something. I did it. I did it because then I knew none of us would get beaten because I was going to do it the right way. And I think that kind of like stuck with me, obviously, through a lot of my life because when I leave it to somebody, I'm essentially leaving it to chance because I'm not the one it responsible for the outcome. You're you're leaving it to the the unknown, right? And the unknown again is scary for you and has consequences. Not safe, not at all. And that's you know understanding the why. It's protective. What you were describing about I was the one when we were all getting lined up and beaten because somebody didn't do something the way it was supposed to. I took everything on. I started to do it because I didn't want to be misrepresented and misunderstood and beaten because of this. So I took it all on. I was protecting myself. I was making it known. The unknown, no, I can't handle that because I can be misrepresented, misunderstood, and beaten. Fuck that. And you couldn't voice that then. Why? Because nobody cared. You didn't have anybody that cared, anybody that listened. That's very true. The feelings that I have is because it didn't, I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve the punishment because I had done everything I was supposed to do. I'm going to go back and forth between, you know, little Sarah and review Sarah. I had worked hard. I had done what I was told to do. I had done everything everything right. And somehow I still got beaten or somehow some person with a a grudge or a, a jealousy, whatever, snuck things into my review and it wasn't fair because I know I didn't deserve that. I think yeah. that's something that's very important because that does yeah. bother me a lot. Here's an unintended consequence of that. You have a hypervigilance about that, right? We've talked about it in terms of what you call the, the OCD and, and taking care of things and cleaning up, fixing things. Mama bear, we have many words for it. It's also why you saw the video about the eye surgery, why you wrote the four-page PDF about here are my weaknesses, here's where I can improve. You know, you are looking to not be surprised by anything. Yep. That's a big thing. I hate surprises. The worst thing for you would be a surprise party. Absolutely. I hate it. There's nothing worse you could give me or do to me than surprise me. I don't care if it's good or bad. It's a surprise that's so bad. It's not bad. It's understandable. It's very understandable. Yeah. In the context of what we're talking about, when things are not known, they are not safe. 
Yep. I haven't had many good surprises. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Most surprises, probably 99% of surprises in my life were awful. Not, not bad, awful. Right. Right. And again, usually something that had nothing to do with me, but I was there. Somebody had a paddle and somebody wanted to hit a bunch of kids. And that's what happened. It's fucked up. It wasn't okay. It's still not okay. And now you are okay. And still have the imprint of being not okay. So part of our work is is reminding you that you are okay. Just like the surgery tomorrow. I don't know what they're doing to me, so it's not okay. Oh, I saw the YouTube video. Okay, so I understand I have the data. And I have a surgeon I trust. Enough. Right? Okay. Enough. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going under. I'll get the surgery. I'm not even going under, Doug. I'm awake. Gotcha. I'm watching the whole thing. Oh, you are That's watching? Even Yeah, you can't be asleep when they operate on your eyes because otherwise they roll back in your head. Oof. You have to be fully awake. Wow. Yeah, it's it's scary. And they're, and they're coming at you with a, a scalpel. Oh, yeah. They're literally cutting open your eye while you're watching. <laughs> the whole thing is, yeah, ridiculously terrifying. But like you said, these are... You know, these are doctors. I'm not the first person in the world who's getting this operation. And my logical mind knows this. I'm just realizing something that fits for what we're talking about. Because we're talking about, I don't like surprises. I like when I have the data. I like when I know things. You have kids that have come to you with issues that are surprising. You know, that shirt that we're going to burn at some point keep calm, Sarah will handle it, right? That's kind of your mantra, that that's what you do. So they can bring anything to you and you'll go, okay, hang on, let's look at this, let's think about this, let's talk through this, let's look at the data, let's understand this, let's watch the YouTube video. So you actually have evidence for when there is a surprise and when something is unknown, you actually can handle it. And, you know, I would take keep calm out of that equation and just say, Sarah can handle it. <laughs> yep. Yep. I was just talking to my mom right before I um, logged on with you. She's like, oh, sweetie, you know, I wish I could be there with you and I hold your hand. I think there's a lot of emotions for her around my whole eyesight issue in the first place because really it was her fault that no one noticed that I was born blind essentially no one noticed I even needed glasses until I was almost seven years old which means I went through the first six and a half years of my life not seeing as a parent how do you not see that but you know she never saw it, had it been noticed, like a normal baby checkup, right? They check their eyes, they check their ears, and then they say, oh, by the way, your kid's blind. Here's the, the plan. Here's what we're going to do to fix it. None of that happened. And 
this operation, it's amazing that they could even fix my eyes. So to my mom, it does kind of get her off the hook, I suppose, in a sense. But at the same time, I felt the motherly, like, oh, I want to be there. <laughs> it was sweet. It was sweet because obviously she can tell that I'm pretty anxious about the whole thing. But, you know, she's praying for me. So there's that. It doesn't hurt. That's why I told my mom. It doesn't hurt. It can't make it worse. You've heard me say it before and you've answered it. So I know the answer to this, but I'll say, wow, you're mama bear for everyone else. Who's mama bear to you? <laughs> me? Well, yeah. Soothing myself. <laughs> sure, self-soothing is <laughs> great, but sometimes we we want to actually let go and be taken care of, and I don't think that's something that you experience very Xanax. often. Xanax. You, you, right, you've said Xanax, you've said boyfriend, <laughs> you know, and you've said yes. me, meaning yourself. I can't stress enough how impactful it was to not have somebody taking care of you and protecting you even if they weren't successful. Yep. Somebody who at least tried would have been great. One memory I have, a very, very clear memory that I have as a child is the one time that my dad tried to step in. When they first figured out how blind I was, they do something called patching. So essentially they patch your good eye to try and force your lazy eye to make a connection with your brain without the one that it's relying on. Right. So I went on this program, I had these patches and I was told only put the patches on when you have nothing to do. So they are like, put your patch on and sit down and do your workbook, put your patch on and do your work. And I couldn't see. So of course I couldn't do my work. So I, I was like opening up my patch on, on my right eye, like really discreetly and, and looking with that and then filling out my workbook. And when the guy, the teacher noticed and he like pulled me up by my hair and dragged me to this room where they would beat us. And it was funny because as he was dragging me, we passed my dad in the hallway and my dad was like whoa what is going on here and the person was like oh she disobeyed and blah 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 all this stuff and and so my dad was like okay sarah go wait in the room we're gonna have a talk so i went and waited in the room i was shaking i was already crying these were beatings doug like you i mean i can't even describe they had these wooden paddles that are probably about a foot and a half long and about, I don't know, half a foot wide with holes so the wind could go through. And they would like run and, and hit you. I mean, so intense. And of course, I'm a tiny little child. I'm seven years old and I'm going in this beating room. And in the end, my dad basically told this guy, like, you're being obviously ridiculous. The whole time I was waiting in that room, 
I was so scared. I actually peeled the skin off of my fingers, like from here, like all the way down. And they were just pouring with blood. And I was just shaking and crying. It was so horrible, but it was the one memory that is so clear in my mind because my dad did save me, essentially. The one time, one time I didn't get beaten. Just that 20 minutes or whatever it was that I was in that room may have been worse than just the 10, you know, lashes or whatever. That was the only time. Yeah. And, and that's horrible. It is. It, it's, it's horrible. This was no like small punishment. This was really intense. That's a wonderful and horrible twice memory. Wonderful because it's, oh, my dad did protect me. Horrible because of what the experience was and horrible that it only happened once. Yeah. Because then after that, he was never around. That makes it even worse because he probably would have kept protecting me had he known, had he been around, but he wasn't. You know, with my mom is like she was there, but she wasn't really there, like up here in her mind. She couldn't she couldn't believe that any of this stuff was happening. Willful blindness is what I believe my mother had her entire life in the cult. Because she is not a horrible human. She's not. She's not evil. She doesn't want to hurt people. She wants to help people. So in her soul, she couldn't accept that these things were happening to us. There's a similarity in how how you just described wanting to help people, wanting to do good, wanting to be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think you are a lot like that, for sure. Mm -hmm. That willfully blind, that's something that... Only cult members would understand? No. (laughs) But I feel like you have to be in denial 100%. Because if you actually looked at what was happening, you'd go insane, which is what happened to them when they finally left the cult. Right. And look look at where you are today and tomorrow. You are having a surgery to correct blindness. You are taking care of something. And in in the meta sense, you are taking care of it even right now as we're talking. You are taking care of yourself. You are growing. You are changing. You are not being willfully blind. You are willfully giving yourself sight and insight. My pattern for behavior is exact is to do exactly the opposite of every person <laughs> around me as a child. I want to be the exact opposite mother to my kids that my mother was to me. The exact opposite kind of human that would hurt anybody. Right. right. Hurt sure. a child sure. especially. Sure. Like it's literally been my guide whatever that memory was, that feeling it gives me. I want to give my children that complete opposite feeling. I want them to feel 100% different than I did. And I I think that goes back to that statement, who cares? The answer is you do. 
I do. And I am showing my children that I care. I am care. I do care. And I care about myself. I'm learning to care about myself. You do care about yourself. There is no try. Do or do not. There is no try. You are doing that. It might still be new and different and, and feel awkward and we don't really know how sometimes and you are still doing it. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. You are doing, not just trying. Actively. You're not trying to raise your kids. You are raising your kids. So give yourself some credit. I will. The surgery tomorrow and what you're doing, you're doing this willfully, right? You're doing this foresight and insight and you've got your information and it... Yeah, it's it's going to be a little scary and a little disconcerting, but it's, you know, it's you ultimately taking care of yourself. Yep. It is a big deal. It is something I've, I'm doing for myself that is very weird and different to me, but I'm excited, terrified, <laughs> <laughs> all the things. And we're back. Again. We are back. Yep. Oof. Can we just jump into this one now? No, I, I think we should gradually walk into this one. Jumping right in could lead to rolling an ankle or getting hurt. Let's just let's just walk um, methodically and, uh, I don't know. Yeah, jump right in. Go ahead. Should I scoot? <laughs> I'll just scoot on my butt in. So, first of all, I laughed. I think one of the first things she says was like, I am a person of nervous disposition, high strung <laughs> things. I don't think I get nervous about the things I don't have control of. And I was like, really? <laughs> yes. You know that. Really? You mean you're also, human? Oh, okay. <laughs> also, I can still relate a hundred percent. Did you catch what she was talking about? Yes, but I wasn't sure until, well, I, I heard eye surgery or I heard something about cutting open my eyeball. Yeah. Like, and I was like, yeah. I just yeah. threw it in my mouth. But then I wasn't sure if it was just LASIK, <laughs> not just LASIK, if it was LASIK. But as you guys progressed and talked about all the stuff about our eyes, I was thinking, maybe this is more than LASIK. And also, I can't, again, threw up in my mouth when she talked about being awake for the surgery. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's that's it's my nightmare. Like my eyes are rapidly deteriorating and I would love to do something, but they're uneven, meaning uh, I can't wear prescription glasses because they're different uh i don't know they need different magnification yeah so in order for them to be the same i would need a surgery like okay i'm not opposed to that but oh wait i have to be awake and i have to keep my eyes open no there's no chance no no way no no way and she did something to calm herself which is something we hit (laughs) i mean i think she even said i know i'm cuckoo like, no, you're not cuckoo. This is actually something you're doing to feel like you have more control. Right. She watched a video yeah. about the surgery. Like she Absolutely found not. a video of the surgery on someone else and watched it. Like Hell oh. no. Hell no. If you're going to do something right? to me, if I'm having a root canal, I don't need to know the details about what you're doing. And if there's, <laughs> are you sewing something? Are you digging it? Like, no, just fucking do it. Don't tell me details. Right. Details. But for her, well, it calms her, right? It gives yeah, her. Yeah, I guess this an idea. is something. 
I would, I would agree with you normally and be like, you know what? I'm just going to close my eyes and take myself to another place. Not think about, you can't close your eyes for this. I know. And it's so cool that this is something about control issues that we hit off the bat. And this is one of her big issues. Yeah. She can't control this. And that's where I said to her a few times, like, it's neither good nor bad. You're just getting familiarity with something. That's okay. Yeah. Being in the unknown is very uncomfortable. So you're making it a little less unknown. That's okay. Not having control is bad enough well, for me, for a lot of people, but not knowing right. and not having control, it's like a double whammy sometimes. Totally. I, I always think about it in terms of if you're driving somewhere for the first time and you don't really know how to get there, you might have directions. You're not going to have familiarity with it. You're not going to feel at ease getting there. And it often feels like it takes so much longer to get there the first time. Right. When you go that same route the second time, you've got that familiarity, right? I, I wish there was a tweak to it. Like I look at my dog when we were in Colorado going on trails, he, he would love it. It's like, oh, here's a literal new ski trail I've never yeah. been down. Let me go this way. Awesome. I don't think we as humans generally do that. There are some things that we approach with that level of excitement, but for many of us, it is the familiarity that we need with something. And then if we're not the ones in control, if we're not the ones driving, if we're not the ones skiing, if someone else has the map or has the directions and they don't tell us, then it's very unnerving for a lot of right. us, right. especially if we don't choose to give up control. When you do and you say, hey, uh, we need to go to this place over here. I trust you just get us there. I'm just going to chill in the car. Like, cool, right. you drive. That's different. Well, and she even talked about how she used to be so scared of being in a car until she learned how to drive and drove, and then she understood it all. Right. Right. And I was like, oh, right. yeah, makes yep. sense. See, and right. And that's, that's why I mentioned flying, too. Like, yes, flying in a plane. Ugh. That's, yeah. that's where a lot of people really don't like it. And not many people that fly on planes actually know how to fly planes. Right. So yeah. there's no familiarity. Yeah. You just and know, I got in this thing and it got us somewhere. Flying is a very weird concept, I have to agree. <laughs> but when she talked about, we've talked about this before, but she has a hard time turning things over to people because she knows that they will do it wrong. And I can totally relate. For her, that came from a place that completely and totally is connectable, which is in the cults, right? If somebody did something, they'd all get lined up and like, all right who did this? And nobody would say anything. And then everyone got beat. She was like, fuck that. I'm going to take over. I'm going to do everything. I'll do it right. Nobody will get beat. Exactly. And that's what we were talking about in the first breakdown about her protective mechanism. Right. That's what I was saying. You'll hear it in the next session. This is where it comes from. Uh -huh. And that, that protective mechanism wasn't just, I'm going to protect myself. It was, I'm going to protect all of us because oh, if yeah. I do it, I know it'll get done right. And no one's going to get beat. So freaking sad. I hate that for her. It is incredibly sad. And that's, yeah. it's something too that I picked up on and said in this session that it was incredibly impactful for her to not have someone that at least tried to protect her. And oh, she, yeah. even, she even caught that. We're like, at least trying. Yeah. And that's in telling the story about her dad that intervened that one time, you know, which was awesome. And it wasn't like she needed somebody to protect her 
every single time, but at least to try to protect her. Yeah, it would have been nice. Well, and this is where I was like, this has got to be more than Lasix, right? So she basically said, yeah, I was born basically blind and nobody knew till I was seven. I don't know if that is literally like blind. Not literally blind. No, not literally blind, but not being able to see without an incredible prescription. Right. Yeah. To the point where she had to wear a patch over an eye. It's funny because I just said to you, yeah. I have one eye that's a diff- different than the yeah. other. And when I mentioned that to Sarah once a long time ago, she was like, oh my God, that's what I had. It was so bad I had to wear an eye patch. And back then for her, this is what's, oh God, it, it, it's crushing to think about it. They made her wear an eye patch because they wanted her to train her other eye to work better, thinking if it would just work better, she'd be able to see better. And why she got in trouble is she's wearing the eye patch. So her bad eye is the one she's supposed to be doing her homework with. And she can't. She just can't see. So she lifts the eye patch so she can see out of her good eye to get something done. And she gets busted. Yeah. And that's, oh, God, crushing. Yeah. She was like, I don't know how my mom didn't notice till I was seven. And you obviously picked up on this too, but she talked about how her mom, like willful blindness. And I was like, well, isn't that interesting? Right. right. You're basically born blind. Yeah. Your mom has this willful blindness. Yours is definitely not willful. That's it all. That's for sure. Right. And that's, that's all these things, you know, when I talk about with other clients and say, yeah, that wasn't safe. Yeah, that's not safe. Okay. Yes, that's true. For, for Sarah, it really wasn't safe because it meant she got beaten in most of these scenarios. Yep. And that's incredibly traumatic. So for her, even even we talked about uh, surprises. She's like, oh, yeah, I don't like surprises. I'm like, right. Oh. Because something probably bad is going to happen. She's like, oh, it wasn't probably. Something bad did happen. There's, I've never had a good surprise. 99% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. S- yep. So yep. sad. She said that. That idea, again of protecting herself. Even her watching the video of the eye surgery, and I said it, like that's you gathering information to get some familiarity to protect yourself from the surprise, from the unknown, to kind of know what I'm getting into. Like, okay. Right. And that's, oh man, that's when she was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm awake. I'm watching the whole thing the whole time. Like, oh, that to me is terrifying. But to her, the more terrifying thing is not knowing. Poor thing. I mean, not poor thing anymore, but, you know. It's funny, too, that she said um, her mom not realizing that she couldn't see until she was like seven years old, that having the surgery sort of lets her mom off the hook. So her mom's totally like for it and behind it because it's like, cool. All right. Now we've corrected this thing and then we get back to correction. Oh, well, I'm glad she didn't start off this session saying that she was mad at me. No, 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 no. She said it in the middle, but we cut it out. <laughs> I'm kidding. She's I know, not it's mad all about at me. you. It's all about me. She's mostly indifferent towards you. <laughs> Fair. I'll take it. You know what I'm not indifferent about? What? All of you guys. Oh, you're so sweet. I mean, it is nice. It's nice to be, I mean, look, it's nice to be talking to you again every week, Mare. And it's nice to be talking for all of you guys out there. It's awesome to be talked to. <laughs> to be spoken with. It's nice to be listened to. It How's is. that? Lovely. And we appreciate you guys listening. If you do listen, do us a favor. Tell your friends and rate us and review us and 
send us a lot of money and name your first child after us. And just and love us. Get some tattoos and show those to us. And <laughs> just enjoy the show and have a good life. Bye. 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 <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.